Hi, guys. So it's been a super long time since I've spoken to you guys. However, we only have about 40, well, today's May 10th, so we have 21, 26, 47 days left until the primary here in Montgomery County. And so I'm going to be doing weekly episodes going forward with you guys. I hope that you enjoy the song that kicked this thing off. That is uh, 444 plus 222 by Little Uzi Vert. Um, and yeah, it ties in because I used to be a rapper. And so I wanted to give you guys something to get hyped about for this podcast. So today's May 10th. It is 10.04 p.m. in Chevy Chase. And this week has been super crazy for the campaign. We finished uh, a round of three straight uh, candidate forums. I missed the second one because I had one of the youth on my caseload ended up running away. And so I had to track her down. And we found her in Loudoun County around 11 PM. And then we were able to return her to her foster care placement. So that's good. Um, But it's been by far the most stressful week between door knocking. I turned 33 on Tuesday. My wife hit 27 weeks pregnant. And then three straight days of campaigning, and so it's been it's been fun, it's been good. Um, so I wanted to touch base, just one first off to kick this off by offering my condolences to Kevin Kamenetz, who was one of the leading candidates for Maryland governor, but also just a fixture of Maryland politics. Um, he had done, I mean, he had sat there and fought for immigrant rights for women, for LGBTQA folks, and it's a huge loss for us on a on a personal level because Kevin was such a dedicated public servant, but it's such a huge loss to Democrats on even a bigger level than that. And it's sad because he is, his legacy, he could have been the next governor of Maryland and just done some really, really amazing things and we lost him and it's super sad. And so we send condolences from our campaign to to Kevin's family, his wife Jill and his children, and to everybody that's ever been touched by Kevin. I think that it's important that we honor his memory by pushing forward with these progressive ideas that we really have. So we had two, I attended two candidate forums this week. I missed, again, like I said, the the Wednesday one, but I attended Tuesday and Thursday. And I'm looking forward to talking to you guys more about that in the next segment of 1004 and Chevy Chase, because I wanted to make sure that, one, we kicked this off, you know, on the right note, and that's by honoring Kevin's memory and letting it be known that we will honor his memory going forward in our campaign and in everything that we do for Maryland politics. So I'll talk to you guys about the second forum when we kick off the second part of this podcast. But I wanted to make sure that we paid our respects to Kevin. So rest in peace, Kevin Kamenitz. We miss you, and we will do our best to honor your legacy. So we're back, and like I said, we had uh, two candidate forums this week. Tuesdays was a lot of fun because it was held at Walt Whitman High School, and Whitman is the essentially the the high school stalwart of Montgomery County. Everybody, it seems like, goes to Whitman. And I actually have two of my friends, uh, Maureen O'Keefe and her husband, Jake, who went to Whitman High School. So that was pretty cool. And so one of the things that we constantly talked about is the need to ensure representation on the council for every member of Montgomery County. Montgomery County is 53% non-white. And in District 1 in particular, I think it often gets overlooked 
but there are a lot of immigrant families that are here. There are a lot of working class families that are here. And if there's one thing that I stand for is working class families. And so I, I always find it really alarming whenever I'm at these forums and working class families are never really talked about. Everybody talks about, you know, how we're going to build affordable housing and halt development and do all these things. And what we fail to realize is that working class families are the reason why our county is so diverse and it almost feels like that like that part of our county is being left in the dust. So one of the things that I proposed at the at the forum on Tuesday and at the forum on Thursday is instead of trying to raise the raise the minimum wage to something that sounds fantastic on a bumper sticker, it's honestly looking at statistics that show that living in Montgomery County is substantially more expensive than living in Alabama or in Kansas or in Kentucky. And so a $15 minimum wage may not be enough here in Montgomery County, whereas if you raise it to $18, $19, $20 an hour, then suddenly you're talking about making some real headway economically in this county. And so for me, the biggest points of contention are that jobs are leaving and that people aren't staying here. And that's true. What's happening is people are deciding to live in Gaithersburg and work in D.C., and they kind of just pass through Montgomery County, and in particular District 1. But there was a study that came out this week that showed that District 1, and in particular Chevy Chase, is the best place to retire. And so I want to give our aging population, I want to give our working class population enough incentive to remain here so that way they don't have to go anywhere. Listen, man, I, I've never made more money than I make now. I make $75,000 a year, and I'm blown away at the fact that I make $75,000 a year. And here's why. Because my first quote-unquote grown-up job, I made 35000 a year, and my wife was making 33000 a year working at W.B. Mason. And together we had an apartment in New Jersey, and we bought our groceries, and we paid our bills on time, paid our student loans, et cetera, et cetera. But we struggled, man. And so I feel like very often it is, o uh, it is overlooked how much of a struggle it really is for people who even make 68,000 combined, right? And then you factor in kids, you factor in two or three kids and school tuitions and tutoring, and you factor in all these different things. I think that one of the most frustrating parts in this campaign is that this is often overlooked because we believe that everybody in Montgomery County is affluent. Listen, I am 12 weeks away from having my first baby, a beautiful baby girl that I cannot wait to meet. I would be lying to you if I said that I am not petrified of how I'm going to financially elevate her life and make sure that she is the very best that she can be. I say that to say that I cannot be the only one in Montgomery County that's feeling that. My colleague Andrew Friedson, who I really like, and I think Andrew's fantastic, he constantly talks about the Montgomery County squeeze. Here's what happens when you build these high-rise developments, right? Say you charge $2,300, $2,400 a month in rent and then you earmark 15, 20% for affordable housing units. What happens is then the 80% that are paying above market value, they subsidize the, the rents so that way uh, the, the developers aren't losing any money because let's face it, their favorite color is green. They don't care about the people, right? I would, I think that we need to do a better job of explaining that because a lot of people like to think that affordable housing is just that. Oh, we slap up a couple of buildings and we remake a couple of office buildings, turn them into apartments, and suddenly, boom, we're charging $900 a month. That's not the way it works. Would I like for that to, to be the way it works? Absolutely, because I think one of the things that helped my family progress is, for example, my mom is a Section 8 recipient. 
That absolutely has helped my mom plan for her retirement. My mom is soon to be 58 years old, and receiving Section 8 has allowed her to save money to be able to retire in the near future. And we owe it to our Montgomery County residents, our Montgomery County family members, to be able to do just that. And I'll talk a little bit more about how I'm going to do that in the next segment. Now, one of the ways that we do that is, for example, we raise the minimum wage to an actual livable wage in Montgomery County because, again, we owe it to our families, our immigrant families, our working class families, to, for them to be able to earn a livable wage and remain in Montgomery County. That's one. Two, I would propose halting development. Now, hear me out. I know that that sounds crazy and that sounds super radical and kind of socialist, and it's not at all. But what I would propose is to halt development until we can get the budget in order. Because again, this is a county that's heading towards an absolute economic windfall where we're going to suddenly wonder how we're paying our debt. One of my opponents, Anna Sol Gutierrez, sat there and said in one of the forums that we just had on Tuesday that debt is okay. I refuse to accept that debt is okay, and here's why. Because what happens when you start to carry all this debt as a county government is you cut programs that are absolutely necessary. I sat in on a meeting a couple of weeks ago with nonprofit Montgomery, and one of the things that they said was that, again, one, they find it cumbersome that every year they have to recertify their, their, their services as a core service or as part of the budget, right? But then the other thing they said is that they're not getting enough money, right? So say you're a parent and you have a kid who needs autis autism services or you have a kid who needs tutoring or you have a kid that needs case management services or you're an undocumented family that knows that you need uh, health insurance and you can only go to one place. What happens when those organizations run out of money? And so for me, the biggest thing that I can do as your council one, as your district one council person, is to make sure that all of those avenues, all of those individuals are represented, be, are represented because I think it is very hard for the members of our community to actually believe that the people in this and on the council care about them when none of them look like them, right? I am the only candidate of color, the only male candidate of color that's running for this seat. I think that that's important. I think it's an important distinction because there are a lot of people in District 1 that look like me, that are struggling like me, that understand that this the work doesn't start on doesn't stop on June 26. We have our primary that will determine a winner. It's a very diverse and experienced uh, panel of candidates. But what you need is somebody that understands exactly what it's like to want to go hungry, to struggle to pay your bills, to know that you're carrying all sorts of debt and you're not bringing in enough income to pay for it. And I understand that substantially. So I think for me. 40 something days away from the primary, I think the thing that I'm most excited about is that, you know what, in 40 days you guys will cast your vote and vote for who you believe has your best interest at heart. I believe that if we all do good, we all do better, and we can continue rebuilding this county brick by brick. I'm Dalvin Osorio, and I look forward to talking to you guys next week. Much love. And happy Mother's Day to all the moms, including my beautiful wife, who will soon be a mom. All right? Much love.